It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the cheek to play. Hello, everybody. Welcome. You are listening to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, September 6th. That means you've got me. I'm your host today, Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. And I don't know if all you parents are celebrating like I am today, but hooray, guess what? Both my children are in school today. Hooray, hooray, hooray for the first week of school. Every parent is celebrating. Um, of course, summer is fun, but you know what? So is the first week of school. Um, And what we love to do in September is talk to leaders from our schools across Dane County and beyond about um, what's going on in public schools and public educations. And I'm really excited. Today we have Cindy Green joining us. She is the Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning with MMSD, the Madison Metropolitan School District. Hello, Cindy. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. It's great to have you and congratulations to you. You still have a child at MMSD. I have two at West High School this year. So hooray for hopefully a successful start to the year for you and your family. Yes, I have a, a freshman at Memorial. Go Spartans. All right. I'm a freshman at West, so I really look forward to some good Spartans and uh, Regent uh, competition there. That's fabulous. Um, a little healthy rivalry. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Um, I want to tell everyone a little bit about MMSD to sort of help frame the conversation that we're about to have. Um, MMSD includes um, Madison, parts of Fitchburg, Mabel Bluff, Shorewood Hills, so it's more than just Madison. Uh, We have more than 25,000 students in MMSD. It's the second largest district in Wisconsin, 52 schools, more than 5,500 staff members, teachers, administrative staff, buildings and grounds, uh, people like Cindy, and, and beyond. Um, And the makeup of our school, uh, 40% white, 24% Latino, 18% black or African-American, 8% Asian, 10% two or more races. And that's the makeup of the students uh, that make up the 25,000 plus students at MMSD. So a lot going on, a lot of different styles, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different childhoods and families all coming together. Um, I thought an interesting fact that I was looking was 26% of students are English English language learners, 23% are in advanced learning of some level, 15% are in special education of some level. So really a good mix of all that. And I think that's maybe, Cindy, where I want to start the conversation is how do teachers succeed, especially on the elementary and middle school level, when you have everyone coming together from uh, with different levels of learning and different levels of knowledge before the class even starts? Some advanced learners, some um, 
you know, needing special education. How do we make sure that uh, everyone can succeed in our classrooms? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I think before I even dive into uh, the learning component, I would say I think what is absolutely essential and what we've been focusing on for the last few years and being really intentional this year is about the conditions for learning. Okay. So thinking about how uh, we are building relationships, how we are building community, how we are learning about each other's amazing assets that we're bringing into the classroom. Um, I, I think a lot about how we don't always do a great job of uplifting the fact that many of our students are blessed to come in to speak more than one language. Like, how are we lifting those as assets? So uh, we really focus on that first in terms of learning about each other, getting to know each other, getting to know each other besides just student to student, teacher to student, but who we are as human beings and how we are thinking about um, the conditions necessary to learn. Um, and then with that, uh, we really are making sure we are focused on what we call core instruction or the core learning first. What is universal that every student, regardless of who you are, needs to have access to and needs to learn? So our standards for literacy, for math, for science, social studies, and how we are focused first on uh, that universal set of core expectations. Um, that is something that we've been working on with our staff, both in terms of new resources that we've provided as well as professional learning. And then I think what you bring up is where there needs to be differentiation for our students based yeah. on their needs. Uh, what happens after students receive this core instruction? Do some students need acceleration? Do they need more than that? Um, are they beyond that? Do some students need extra support? So at K-5 this year, we've really focused on um, an emphasis on differentiation, how we are doing small group instruction where students might need something different beyond uh, that universal piece. And then how we're also thinking about additional resources for students that may need something advanced. So our advanced learners, uh, we have advanced learning specialists in all of our schools that are able to do co-planning with our teachers, provide direct instruction for students, we have uh, special ed um, service staff in our schools also that are in the classroom with our teachers that can provide direct support for students if they need something different while in the class. Uh, so that is something that is definitely what we're working on, but we wanna ensure that all students get the same universal instruction first and then we differentiate from there. I mean, I've gotta say that one of the things I love about public school education in Madison and everywhere across the country is the fact that everyone comes together in the classroom where the public schools take everyone woke with w happily with welcome arms and you everyone belongs at our school and no matter where you are or what you came in you all get to be in the same classroom together and there's something so important and um, unique about not just learning how to do math, but learning how to all be together and collaborate and be a team and be in a space with people that challenge you and frustrate you and everything in between. Talk to me about how that's really something that's important in the Madison classroom. 
Yeah. Well, I would say um, uh, we call that an education inclusion, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody is included in that space. And it also replicates the real world. Yes. Right? <laughs> in, in every space that I go into, right, I'm always with a diverse group of people um, and having to engage with them. So I think we uh, definitely replicate the real world in our classrooms. And we also believe in uh, inclusivity and inclusion as much as, much as possible. So how are we uh, collaborating together? How are we building community together? How are we learning about each other? I do think you mentioned at the beginning, it's one of the amazing things about Madison, how diverse Madison is, both in terms of race, in terms of culture, in terms of uh, identities that we are allowed to uplift that into our classrooms. And I would say that that is um, uh, the, the kind of, um, craft of a teacher to be able to uh, work with all of the differences and all of the assets that our students bring to both kind of uh, ensure that they're meeting each individual student's needs as well as those collective needs. So it is uh, definitely uh, part of the work of the professional learning we provide for teachers as well as that craft of teaching, right? Teaching is, teaching is an amazing job and it also is a hard job. Yes. Talk to me about, um, you were mentioning sort of the core basic aspects of learning. I remember, um, and so now I have a, a ninth grader and a 12th grader. And I remember having these conversations with prior superintendents and prior um, administrative teams about um, making sure that every fourth grade classroom, for example, in, and Madison was teaching the same thing and how it wasn't like that a decade ago. It wasn't like that when I first came in. Yes, there were structures, but, but there was sort of this idea that each school could be a little bit different. And on some level, maybe that works for a smaller city, but that doesn't always, uh, get everyone on the same page. How important is that? And, and is that still a value of the current administration to make sure that every fourth grader, no matter which school you're in, is learning the same thing across the district? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, how you describe that may be different for individuals, but I would say, mm -hmm. yes, that is critically important. And I'll go into a little bit of detail of what that means. So first of all, we have high mobility in Madison, right? And so there is the importance of ensuring across schools and across grades, there is a standard expectation of what is happening in that grade. We have standards, Common Core State standards are kind of our main set of learning standards that we use in our classroom. And those are really our guideposts to determine what is the knowledge and skills that students should read and or know at a particular grade level. So that is kind of um, when you talk about this kind of same across, that is what we use. We use standards to guide our, our teaching and our learning. Uh, one thing that we have learned in probably the past 10 years is the importance of coherence and consistency across our schools not just because we have high mobility in Madison, but because we wanna ensure every student, regardless of what school you enter into, is receiving the same set of expectations yes. so that we are ensuring that our students are all leaving MMSD with kind of that knowledge and skills necessary and those transferable skills. And I would say, Carousel, I think that's important is local context matters. 
each one of our schools is unique in kind of where they're situated, what they offer, how they um, operate on a day-to-day -day basis, maybe even partnerships they have with our community. So there is some difference in maybe uh, some of the offerings we have and or how we might go about ensuring that that coherence and that consistency is met. But what is really important is that we have this set of expectations that at minimum, every student is receiving access to and that every student is able to know and be able to do. So I think we've sort of outlined maybe sort of the environment and the spirit, the, f the foundation of Madison schools, the foundation that we can hopefully see in each classroom. Let's get to some of the more specifics of um, support and uh, sort of what is the temperature for teachers these days. Um, first of all, it doesn't, it seemed like last year there was a teacher shortage and maybe I'm just missing it from the world that I'm in, but it doesn't seem like that's as big of an issue now. Talk to me about what changed between last year and this year. Was it was last year just an unusually bad year or what did MMS do differently to ensure that there wasn't as much of a teacher shortage? Um, I think there's a few things. So one, I think it's important to note that there's a national shortage yes. right in the area of education. It isn't just locally. Um, and, and, and I can't uh, not be in this space and talk about funding for education as a piece of that, not just here in the state of Wisconsin, but across the board, right? I mean, recognizing that teachers are the most, have one of the most important jobs, the most important jobs in uh, our country and uh, isn't always recognized um, in that way, both in terms of pay or even just in terms of merit, in terms of the hard work they do. So I think that there's been this kind of culture shift that I've seen over the last decade in terms of uh, people going into the field, yes. people feeling valued in the field, people being um, paid for the work that they've done. So I think that's caused some of uh, this national shortage, well, as well as I think COVID really uh, 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 did a number on us. And it's also we, an issue here in Wisconsin. I mean, Act 10 and, and the, in the past decade, that's absolutely a national issue. Teachers were never given the value um, financially and just uh, morally, all, all the things that they do. But Correct. also in Wisconsin, this has been a problem that we've had. 100%. So with all of that being said, I think that I want to recognize why I think we are in a better place this school year. And, and you said it, you're like, I'm not hearing it. Do we still have some vacancies? Yes. But are we in a much better place than we were last year? Yes. And I think two things, recruitment and retention is so important for us in MMSD. It is one of our priorities and not just recruitment and retention, but ensuring we're diversifying who we are hiring and who we are retaining. Uh, that That is really um, an important priority for us. But also our Board of Education uh, did a historic move this year with an 8% uh, a raise for our staff. I mean, unprecedented, probably uh, the, the highest uh, 
raise we have seen. And I think that really uh, said something not only to our community, but to our staff about how we value you, how we think you are important. And I think that is definitely not only helped with retention, that is an amazing recruitment strategy that I think has really uh, benefited MMSD. How do we fund everything that we want to do? I mean, it's it's an impossible job and it is not MMSD's uh, fault that there is not enough funding in public education. However, um, you wind up holding the bag and trying to solve the problem and filling holes that there literally is not enough money to 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 do. What impact is um, the state funding and budget having on the work that you all do? Huge. I mean, I think there's some real areas that we can get into, I think, as we talk more about where we are as our priorities. But in general, I would say uh, right now, uh, the, the funding, ESSER funding, which is kind of COVID relief funding that we received, is something that has uh, helped us maintain for this year. But um, we aren't able to fund everything. I think uh, you're saying, how are we able to do it? We can't mm -hmm. because of uh, the funding that we receive. So it is really requiring us now and is going to require us in the future to be uh, very strategic and intentional about where we are prioritizing our work in MMSD because uh, we just can't fund everything. How do you And we are... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, how do you make those priorities and, and what is left behind? Yeah. So I think there's a few things. One, uh, first and foremost, we are an educational institution, right? So our job, first and foremost, is to educate children. And so we've got to be thinking about that. What does that mean for investments in the area of literacy? What does that mean for investments in other curricular areas such as math, science, social studies? Um, data, using data to uh, drive our decisions and seeing where we need to uh, consider doubling down in certain areas and prioritizing. Also seeing where we are not uh, having an impact or having success with things that we may be investing in and having those hard conversations about what we need to consider shifting dollars or not funding anymore. Uh, for us, our goals that are um, in our strategic framework and thinking about kind of our core values and our guiding principles are things that we have used in the past and will continue to use to make some of those tough decisions. I think the other thing that um, is tough sometimes for the Madison community is when we talk about equity and where we need to uh, really invest resources. And sometimes that means we need to invest more in certain areas and consider investing less in other areas in yes. order to ensure we're privileging those that need uh, these opportunities the most. So I think um, thinking about how uh, we consider equity in our budget and our uh, funding is something that's really important to us as well. That's really helpful to hear um, you say that, and I really appreciate that, of sometimes understanding that some schools and children and families that have access to more, maybe they're, they don't get all the services that other schools would get, all, all the services that you want to give them because you know the family can help pick up the slack now right that's not ideal but understanding when you have impossible choices to make i appreciate that you say though that those are priorities and we're willing to put that out out loud has there been what's the response to that 
I think the response is varied. Um, and to, you know, be perfectly frank in the conversation, I think that um, most people agree with that and are okay with that until it um, <laughs> may impact them yep. or their individual students um, directly. Uh, so in theory, people agree with it. And then the reality of that uh, sometimes is hard. And I think um, we've seen where um, there seems to be this perceived sense of loss. And if there's a sense of loss, that's usually uh, when people are not okay with it. Um, and so, so it's important to ensure that, uh, again, this base of what I call this universal set of expectations, these universal resources exist first, like what does every student need regardless of uh, where you are, and then where are the things that we might want to target or double down on in places uh, that we need to invest more. But um, yeah, I think, I think there's a, a mixed uh, perceptions out there around it based on um, who might benefit and who may be burdened by uh, these these decisions. I think that's a really it's a really interesting conversation as as someone that definitely my household right two parent household we're both my husband and I are both white we both have graduate degrees and we have many friends and uh, you know colleagues that have moved to Dane County suburbs and aren't in MMSD. And to sort of see the poll there that happens and how do you balance that challenge of wanting to be the school that does exactly what we talked about? And these are the values that Madison at a minimum says they want. And you walk that walk and then you, how do you make sure that you don't then lose students to other districts or you, or you say we don't want to, but there's a limit to what we can do. Yeah, <laughs> it's complicated. That, yeah, um, it is. And I think sometimes we 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 do lose people because people uh, public education, again, it, it, this is not a Madison thing, right? Public education uh, has some scarce funding towards it. And there are tough decisions that we have to make. I think for Madison, one of the beautiful things is we are a really resource rich community. We have many, many, many people that are willing to uh, give money to Madison, which is amazing, right? We have our Madison uh, Community Foundation that supports a ton of fundraising. We have individuals that give, and then we have a community risk rich or um, area that is able to provide additional uh, opportunities for our students. So I think that's one thing that, that helps us is that, uh, there is a, a lot of uh, resources available. And then I think other things, like we have some federal funding, uh, what's called title funding. So we have Title I funding that goes to our schools that are uh, highest poverty schools. So they get some additional funding to support that. So sometimes those opportunities are able to offset where we are not able to um, uh, uh, kind of give everybody the same thing uh, that is helpful. And then other times we just have to uh, do our best to make decisions about trying to ensure that people do get what they need, mm -hmm. making sure we think about what kids need for college career community across the board, leverage our community partners as much as possible. Um, and, and sometimes that's not enough for people. Sometimes people do want something different and that's where people do make decisions. Sometimes, uh, 
to go elsewhere. Um, it, it, I would always say, instead of fighting against us individually, let's all go lobby at the state and the federal level to uh, yes. to advocate for more funding so that people don't have to make tough decisions like that. We're talking right now with Cindy Green. She is the Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning at MMSD, Madison Metropolitan School District. This is our exciting back-to-school uh, show today um, since it is the first week of September. If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at area code 608 608- Two five six two zero zero one extension nine. Mary Jo is here volunteering. She's ready to answer the calls. Uh, Jade and Jay um, are uh, both in the studio. They will take your messages if you want. You can join us live on the air. They can have you join us, or you can pass a message through to them, and they can send that on to us. However you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Again, at area code six zero eight. Two five six two zero zero one extension nine. Um, so, Cindy, let's talk about some of maybe all the different resources and programs that we have. First, can we talk about support staff? Right, teachers can be fabulous and have all the resources they need, but we also need social workers and counselors and substitutes. I remember that being an issue last year. Um, nothing, nothing to cry home about it happens once in a while but there would absolutely be days for both of my daughters who last year were at two different schools and there there wouldn't be a substitute so they'd all meet in the gym you know for english class and you just do your homework for the day or someone else is filling in and they're not really an expert on that topic how do you address all of that and of course that's part of the national problem of lack of educators but that was a a lot in all of that but how do we support our teachers yeah, so first of all, uh, shout out to our support staff. I mean, we could not do it without everyone you just named, right? We have uh, special education assistants. Uh, we have security assistants. We have clerical in our schools. We have all of our student services staff, such as our uh, mental health providers, counselors, social workers, psychs, etc. Our principals also, right? So everybody doing that and then substitutes. I think that we, uh, knock on wood, are in a really good place this year with our substitutes. We uh, have a, a large number of individuals that are willing to work in our schools, and uh, we could always use more, so anyone listening, uh, a plug, but we um, do have substitutes. And then I think we also have opportunities when substitutes are not available. Our principals who uh, know their schools best sometimes have to make decisions about um, how to cover uh, classrooms that day. We have instructional coaches in our buildings that are experts in the area of literacy and math. Sometimes they support in classrooms. Uh, sometimes our central office staff, we have experts in the area of teaching and learning that also are out in school supporting. So uh, we make it work. Uh, we hope that we are not in that same place that you just mentioned your daughter was in last year, but um, you know, any given day with uh, all going on in the world, you never know. So we do have um, a lot of human resources to uh, support as needed. How about, um, now sort of pivoting a little, how about arts and music education? How do we make sure, it, first of all, is that, when you talk about the core of education, is art and music part of MMS, MMSD's definition of core education? 
Yeah, and I'd love to talk about this. Um, I'll tell you a couple of things. I'll tell you uh, kind of works in progress where uh, we uh, need to improve and are working on improving and where we've done an amazing job. So yes, especially at um, the K-6 level, I would say, or 4K-6, because you know we are heavily investing in uh, early childhood 4K and MMSD. Um, but that is definitely what I would call core instruction, meaning that every student receives kind of universal access to art and to music. Um, when you think about seventh through 12th grade, that really becomes kind of uh, what I call voice and choice or options for students, because uh, as students start to go into seventh grade, they start to uh, have a choice in their elective offerings and, and decide yep. based on what they're interested in, what courses they will take. And then that just even expands in high school. And I'll talk a little more about kind of what that looks like in high school moving forward. But art and music, um, or I should say all of the art forms are something that Madison has really um, invested in and seen as a priority I would say in the last 10 years, but in the last few years invested uh, even more heavily um, from a financial standpoint. We, uh, the last two summers have done what we've called as a summer arts academy. We've been able to do that because of hmm. these um, kind of COVID relief dollars, what we call ESSER dollars. Um, and we're hoping to use what we have gained from uh, those experiences in the summer to think about what that will look like for uh, the future um, offerings during the school year. And so let me just give you some examples. So some of the things we've been doing, as I mentioned before, we're a resource rich community. We really were partnering with many of our community organizations and our community artists to create opportunities for students. And this past summer, we were really uplifting black and brown artists and art forms that students don't necessarily always have exposure to during the school year, such as dance. Nice. So those were extremely popular. What we want to do now is like those uh, partnerships that we were able to cultivate over the summer, the learnings that we um, experienced with our students is how do we pull that into our schools during the year? So how do we bring in more teaching artists to expose our students to these opportunities? How do we partner more with some of these community-based uh, organizations? that provide things that we're not able to provide as a school district, right? You can only provide so many things and we only have teachers that are certified in certain areas. So that is one way that we're improving kind of uh, uh, the large umbrella of art forms in our school district. Simultaneously, we are looking at our curriculum, uh, specifically in the area of music more so than art, but we really want to make sure, first of all, it's uh, kind of updated to the 21st century and also that um, it's more um, culturally inclusive for all of the students we serve. I think that uh, it's traditional, traditionally been um, more focused on uh, white uh, artists and musicians, and we yes. wanna make sure that we're really thinking about uh, 
uh, a diverse uh, curriculum. So that is one thing that we are doing. And then we're also looking at our course offerings at uh, specifically high school and starting to think about adding course offerings. So uh, at Memorial High School, for example, we just built this beautiful uh, digital music lab that was part of our referendum. And we're thinking about what those course offerings are going to be. And similarly at our other high schools, we wanna uh, really make some shifts in course offerings to to uh, meet the desires and needs of our students, as well as thinking about uh, how we're doing a better job of preparing them for post high school life and, and areas that they might be interested in pursuing after graduation. Uh, so that's a, a little bit of what we're doing in the art area. And then we've just had some new hires. Uh, so another investment, we uh, added a position here at central office so that we have a larger a team that is supporting the arts overall. Um, in the past, it was a very small, mighty team. It's still small, but we know that this is such an important area because what we see also is students that uh, are able to uh, find connections in art and music sometimes then have better academic outcomes and also stay yes. more engaged in school when they have this connection. So we know it's really important. And then the last thing I'll say about this, sorry, but it's a area No, it's great so to hear all of this. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about it is we're really trying to think about our co-curricular. So what happens outside of the classroom uh, for students, not just in athletics, but in areas of like art and music. So our theater programs, uh, uh, our ensembles um, and things like that and how we're continuing to uh, uh, grow who is accessing that and then what those look like uh, for our students. It's so wonderful to hear um just in detail, I, I loved that long answer of all the details and works that we're doing in music and in arts. Is that that has thoughts in my head as you're talking, when, especially that you mentioned the ESSER funds, which were federal funds that were COVID uh, came out of sort of COVID funding. So in theory are going away. Has there been conversation about taking this issue to referendum or just anything where we really think the community would respond, where you can say, look, we're funding the core. We can do the core. If you believe in this and want this, we need funding for this programs. Are there, are there ever conversations like that? Absolutely. Again, it goes back to we can't fund everything. And until mm -hmm. we have a different funding model, both at the state level and investments at the federal level, we uh, in Madison are going to have to make some tough decisions. So thinking about a future referendum and what we need to ask our community for is absolutely always part of the conversation. Uh, when I think about our facilities, right, and the uh, amazing referendum and the um, kind of uh, vote yes from our community in 2020 and what it was able to do um, is just a part, right? We haven't finished all of the work that needs to happen there. So it is always a conversation of uh, what can we fund with uh, our current budget and where do we need to uh, think about asking others to support us in order to give our students kind of that well-rounded education that they all deserve. We're talking right now with Cindy Green. She's the Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning at MMSD. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Cindy, um, I want to ask you about um, dual immersion. That was something that um, 
was just sort of in the pipeline or past the pipeline, but just sort of bubbling up when we bought our first house and moved to Madison and we um, thought we were going to wind up at uh, a district that uh, a a school that uh, had dual immersion, Midville Elementary School and, and the excitement that there is. How, how successful has the dual immersion programs been? Is there um, any conversations of changing, expanding, reducing uh, that program? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely not reducing. Um, we So I'll talk a little about dual language immersion. Uh, right now we have Spanish dual language immersion in more than half of our schools, all four of our comprehensive high schools. And then in the last few years, we have also opened up over at Lakeview Elementary, um, a Hmong heritage program for students. And that just uh, matriculated up to Blackhawk Elementary. So it is now accessible for sixth grade students. Um, So those are a few of the programs. So first, it's important to know that our dual language immersion program is first and foremost for our students that are identified as English learners and have this right, right? It is the law that we need to ensure that we are providing services for them that are supporting their English learning. Um, And so dual language immersion is one of the ways in Madison that we meet that law. And simultaneously, we know many families that are monolingual uh, families also think this is an amazing opportunity as well. So that's how kind of our dual language immersion serves kind of uh, half of our students that are English learners. And this is an essential educational right for them. And then for students that just see this as an amazing opportunity. Um, So it has been something that has been growing for many years. And we have continued to add versus scale back. Um, in our schools. Um, We have, like I said, four of our comprehensive high schools. We have New Oyster Mundo, which is a charter that is a a full uh, DLI school. And then we have what we call strand programs at more than half of our schools as well for our students. Um, I would say that uh, this is uh, one of the amazing assets of MMSD and something that draws many families to our community is being able to have access to this. I think the one area that I would say if there's something that we need to improve upon or what we can do better is um, bilingual uh, staff, uh, teachers Mm. that are able to teach in English and in Spanish for us, and also teachers that are certified in ESL, so English as a second language, are areas that we are constantly recruiting for. Uh, Our board invested in an opportunity for us to recruit internationally, which has been amazing to be able to Uh, bring staff over here to support our programming and support our students. But that is something that we um, are always seeking out, thinking about partnerships with post-secondary institutions for our own staff to get certified. Where can we continue to think about recruitment efforts uh, to ensure that we can provide these services for our students is the one area that I would say is um, both an improvement area, but also something that is a priority for us as a district. It's great to hear all the details on um, dual immersion learning, but just even beyond that, support for all students um, and uh, the languages that they speak before they come into the classroom. We do have a caller. Uh, May is on the line. You had a question about funding. May, what are you thinking? 
It's more of a comment. Okay. Um, I had children in the Madison Public Schools for 20 years, and I now have grandchildren in the Madison Schools. Fabulous. I have volunteered in the schools. I've been in, the, been in and around the schools for many, many years, so I've seen lots of different classrooms. Um, one of the things that hamstrings the school's budget project, process, and I, I know that this will you know, raise a few eyebrows, but is the special education mandates. The schools are mandated to provide certain amount of services, and that, that sometimes um, takes away from the regular ed in a, in a classroom or in a school. And I had a student, um, I still have her, um, who is se- severely disabled, um, she went through the school. She had absolutely fabulous care. I have no complaints whatsoever about people who cared for her, but she cost the district well over $2 million. And she is so disabled that she was, you know, waived from Medicaid, you know, having to do work and all that kind of stuff. And there are a handful of those kinds of students in the district. Uh, and I And I think that someday we're going to have to, Consider um, how much return um, based on the response to uh, what is that RTI um, hmm. return on uh, investment in- intervention? You know, hmm. response to hmm. intervention. At some point, you know. Well, May, thanks so much for your question, and I'm gonna or comment. I'm gonna pass it off to Cynthia, but I I'm sorry. I do want to say one thing first, which is. Uh, the special education mandate, the problem with it is that it's unfunded. The problem isn't that these, uh, special education can be costly. All of these students belong in our schools. All these students belong in our community, belong in our city, belong in our lives, belong everywhere. And um, I think we should uh, admire our public schools, all of them, Madison included, uh, for taking students that other schools refuse to take. And... Um, so I just wanted to to put a statement there to make it clear that every student belongs with every condition. That's what public schools are for, uh, and they deserve. I don't care what the return on investment is. They deserve. Uh, st- kids aren't a return on investment. Kids are an investment. Um, but Cindy, I'll let you respond more in detail about um, the funding that we have. Yeah, I think you uh, said it well. Uh, May, thanks for uh, your comment. Um, I think Carousel said it well. Uh, I think one of the beautiful things about Madison and about public education is exactly that. Uh, uh, We don't choose who we take. We take everybody, and we love everybody, and we uh, invest in everybody. And I think one of the other uh, great things is that there is additional funding and there is additional investments for students uh, that may need it that are identified uh, with special education services, both at the federal level and at the state level. So... Um, that, that is an additional asset for us, and uh, 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 we definitely want to continue to invest in every single scholar um, that walks through our doors. Well, and I think so that, I mean, May does hit on some points is that it can be very costly to support a student with um, special needs. And when it's not well-funded, it does pull money from everywhere else because you have to choose priorities and that's where 
right? Additional funding and referendums have to happen, unfortunately, because there's just not enough money to do everything within the desires of MMSD. That is correct. I mean, if we want to continue to talk about our priorities beyond special education, um, uh, another example that I think is a priority for Madison but um, isn't always connected to funding is when we think about uh, early college opportunities or we think about what we need to provide for our students as they're in high school, uh, being able to go on to any kind of post high school life. For example, um, at the state level, there is some partial uh, reimbursement for students that are able to access uh, early college opportunities at four-year universities. But if a student is going to access uh, any of our opportunities at our technical colleges, such as the gem of Madison College here in uh, Madison, there is no reimbursement. So that all falls on the school district again. So when we think mm -hmm. about how our school district needs to create these opportunities for our students that will lead them to life-sustaining wages, successful uh, post-high school opportunities, right? Well-rounded citizens, uh, the funding, uh, for these opportunities um, is little to none sometimes. So we really uh, not only want to think about our priorities here in Madison and continue to invest in every kid, but again, uh, how we work together to uh, change our funding uh, models that we yes. have for public education. Cindy, I wanted to ask you about... Um honors. And I know there have been a lot of conversations about standalone honors versus embedded honors. Can you have both? Is it an either or? Where is the district now on that issue? Yeah. Um, we can have both. We do have both. So we have what we call standalone honors, which is uh, courses uh, that are honors, uh, kind of uh, tagged courses that students um, select into when they're doing all of their course selection. And then we have what's called earned honors. And this is mostly at the high school level. Um, we have earned honors where students um, just go into um, the general education classroom, like the standard English classroom. But within that classroom, based on their performance, are able to actually earn that honors designation. So our board of education uh, voted on this last spring and they made the decision that we keep kind of both options for our students. So students that have uh, this honors uh, section separate uh, from uh, other students and then students that have it, what we call earned, which is I think what you were referring to as uh, embedded. Gotcha, thank um, you. That all students have access to. So that's, um, that's where we currently stand based on uh, the decision from our Board of Education. It'll be interesting to see. I know that it was a, a heated topic, but it'll be interesting to see sort of what the numbers bear out of when there's more earned honors that still address the racial disparities or not. And I have had, um, right, I have a high school senior right now, and she has been in a standalone honors class, and she has been in a class uh, that wasn't honors that she didn't think was a, a strength of hers, and she wound up earning honors. So we've benefited from both, but also I am a white privileged individual raising a white privileged daughter and a white privileged family. So I know this conversation isn't about us, but it's interesting to see how both work and can both work successfully. 
Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, I personally have my views on this. I think it's interesting because it works because it works for your daughter. And I think you named it, right? Because your daughter is white and is privileged. So it works for her. It would be interesting to have that same conversation with other students or other families that don't look like you and I. Yes, exactly. Well, and I, I... I suspect the school board will still continue to look at those numbers and and uh, not not to spook anyone. The convers- I'm not, I'm not I don't know of any conversation happening imminently, but I appreciate that this could continue to be a conversation in the future. Um, I think it is because I think it just goes into uh, voice and choice. Like I said before, I mean I think course offerings should change. Um, as students change, right? Mm -hmm. Students uh, come and go and based on what they're interested in and based on also what the labor market tells us in terms of where we need to be thinking about it, course offerings change. And I think that's one of the things that is beautiful about Madison and also a challenge with Madison is we like to hold on to um, um, traditions, which is good and important. and that Human. sometimes can hold us back uh, yeah. when we need to be evolving. So if we continue to uh, uh, listen to our students who are such an important voice in this, I think that will uh, help determine the future. Interesting. Thank you for that. Um, I wanted to ask you about sort of the big picture. In in the U.S., there is conversation about LGBT rights um, and about racial justice, schools, uh, I feel like those issues are being attacked across the country. I don't see that as a challenge, and a problem here in Madison. Is it, and I'm just not paying attention to it? Or how do we make sure our schools continue to be welcoming to everyone, LGBTQ+, plus anywhere they are? And how do we also, I hate to lump these together because it's not the same topic, so maybe we deal with it differently, but I meant that there's an attack on LGBTQ and on racial justice uh, across the nation. Yeah, I think Madison has made it pretty clear in our stance, both for uh, those that identify as LGBTQIA+, and on racial justice, that we serve every student, that we support every student, right? Again, this inclusive uh, kind of approach. I think we have made that clear. Our spaces, we want them to be welcoming for every student. We also want to stand up for injustice when we see injustice um, across the board. And, what, and I would say not everybody agrees with that. I, I understand. Yes, even, right, we are not a monolith and we shouldn't be a monolith. Not everyone agrees with that. What are things that MMSD is doing to ensure that there is racial equity and racial justice on, on a big picture frame? Yep. So big picture, we have invested in what we call ICS Equity, which is an organization that has been providing professional learning for us as a school district. We're in year two of that. So that is one way big picture MMSD is investing, meaning uh, all of our central office, we're staffed around this. It's helping us think through not only the history of our nation, uh, how we got to where we are today, but starting to investigate our practices and our policies that might continue to perpetuate racism or uphold and uplift racist practices. So that is one way we're investing and all of our schools are uh, engaging with that work this school year. 
Um, secondly, I think one of the other things that we're investing in is uh, welcoming schools, which is really supportive for LGBTQIA plus community. We have uh, a dedicated person here centrally that helps support and lead professional learning around that, working with schools as well. Um, so those are just two big picture investments that we have as a district. Have we had conversations um, in case, in anticipation of someone challenging the curriculum or the philosophy of MMSD? Yeah, we have, and we probably will continue. Yes, we have had uh, organizations, um, legal matters, Yes, where uh, it has been questioned. And I believe based on uh, kind of the rhetoric in uh, the nation right now that that will uh, probably continue. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I know we only have a, a, go ahead, Cynthia. I cut you out there. Go ahead. Yes, please. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say this last thing, but I, yes, please. I think it's important that we continue to um, uphold our stance of who we are as a school district and how we want to ensure that our staff and all of our scholars that walk through our doors know that uh, we support them and we wrap around them. So while that is going to continue to probably happen, um, I think we uh, want to continue to make it clear who we are and what we stand for. Well, I mean, I think that's a Perfect way to end our conversation. Uh, Cynthia, it has been just fabulous talking with you. I love that before we started the show, we talked about all these things that might come up. And uh, there's just so many things to talk about. I really appreciate, right, again, uh, Cynthia, uh, Cindy Green, the Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning, that you came and joined us today to talk about what's happening, curriculum, and teaching and learning in our schools. It's just been wonderful to talk with you today. Thank you so much. I know we need about 10 more sessions uh, in order to get through everything. It's I never, really appreciate it. Never enough time. And um, really quickly, though, is there a way that people can stay informed and get involved if there are issues that come up? What should they do? Absolutely. So we have an MMSD Facebook page that people can use, and we also have our MMSD websites. And then in addition to that, we put out community newsletters as well. Um, and if you are connected directly to a school, your principal and your local school is always the greatest place to go for information. It's been wonderful talking with you. That's been great. Again, Cindy Green, Assistant Superintendent of Teaching and Learning. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And a huge thank you to Jay for engineering, Jade for producing, Sholly, our news director, Mary Jo for staffing the phones. Welcome back to school, everyone. Welcome back to the start of fall. It's been great talking, and we'll continue our back-to-school conversations next week. Um, so be sure to tune in again next week. Again, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM Madison. See you soon, everyone. Recorded with information that will never be reported. Disregard the mainstream, media distorted. We come and listen and support it.